0: a safe place for us to learn, share, discuss, and help each other navigate this often unexpected journey. Be kind, be supportive, and when you can, keep the humor. My name is Annie and welcome to Walking with Freya. So here we are, almost a week into PWS Awareness Month, I hope everyone who feels inspired to do so is successful in spreading the word and educating their community. I had an acquaintance, acquaintance reach out to me today on social media to let me know that despite having taught health ed for decades, he was learning about this disorder for the first time. I'm not surprised. And I'm always grateful to hear that my efforts are reaching people because I do believe that the more people who know about PWS, the safer our children will be. Now, if you haven't followed at Walking with Freya on Instagram, please head over there and check out the posts I've been making, or you can follow the Facebook page at PWS Community Challenge. Either place will get you the same posts. So I have posted some conversation starters, I guess you could call them that, I'm hoping to spark some conversation between families of people with PWS. Now, I know there's a lot of that happening in other groups, and I'm very grateful for it, and i like to participate in those as well, but I just wanted to create something intentional, some intentional conversations between families on different stages of this journey, specifically for the month of May. So I'm also posting information on PWS organizations, tips for some of the challenges of PWS, and even some recipes and things like that. And I would love for people to post, to comment with all of their information, their tips, their recipes, um, you know, I'd love for you all to join the conversation. So if you're interested, please check those out and put some comments out there because I'd really love to make some new PWS friends and connect through sharing our experiences. So on to the episode. I would imagine that most of us in the PWS world have now heard of FPWR, the Foundation for Prader-Willi Research. If you haven't, This episode is a great start. I spoke with Executive Director Susan Hedstrom to learn more about FPWR's foundation, intention, and actions. I also learned how families can participate in clinical trials, create a One Small Step fundraiser, and the importance of the Global Registry, which that was a good one for me because we are part of the Global Registry, and we have been for years, and when I think about it, I fill out the surveys, but I did not realize the importance the impact, um, where this information, how it was being used. And so if you are not a part of the Global Registry, um, definitely check it out. I'll put a link in the show notes. If you are part of the Global Registry but haven't uh, updated your surveys, definitely go there and check it out. It's it's really important. So this episode, talking with Susan about that was really um, educational for me. So if you if someone you love has PWS, I highly recommend learning more about FPWR and how you can help raise money and awareness. And you can learn more about FPWR at fpwr.org. It's pretty easy to remember. So for my family, FPWR is kind of our go-to organization that we raise money for. I In the past, I did a one small step, um, and there have been a few things Few times that I put out calls for donations, my husband and I got married a few years ago in 2016, which I guess was like five years ago. And rather than asking for gifts, we asked for donations to be made to FPWR. So there's a lot of different ways that uh, you can you can help them raise money. One thing I'm doing this month is, Freya and I have created a fitness challenge for her classmates. And um, so the fitness challenge is kind of an honor of PWS. We just did a little talk about it. But I'm also asking if people would get sponsors to uh, help them reach their goal to – I'm not going to – I don't need to explain it, but, um, you know, just like if they do so many push-ups. It's kind of – we used to do it in gym class when we were kids, like jump rope and so pays you a dime every, for however many you can jump, like a jump-a-thon. Anyway. <laughs> so it's like that i i don't know um yet how many kids are participating or if anybody is really seeking donations you know in post or in uh, pre-covid times i would have gone into the classroom and spoken to the classroom and and to her classmates and um, i know her teacher is her teacher is such a great advocate for Freya and was really excited about this so um you know, I, hopefully kids are excited about it, but I'm just not. I can't be in the classroom. So I don't really know yet. So I don't know if it's going to be successful, but I'm glad we're doing it. I'm excited about it and kind of going on the premise that every little bit helps. So, on that note, if you are into this podcast, if you have found comfort, connection, education, solace, or the like from any of these episodes, Then please, please, please take a moment to let me and others know by leaving a review of Walking with Freya on the Apple Podcast app. Also, you can tell a friend and help spread the word about the podcast and about PWS Awareness Month and all good things like that. So, and also remember that the episodes in May, they are dedicated to PWS, but outside of the month of May, I do interview people from all corners and paths and diagnoses of the special needs community. So this podcast, while it is a little PWS heavy, and I think that's awesome because we need it, um, it also does dive into so many other aspects and, like I said, diagnoses. So share it with all of your friends and um, not just your friends uh, who have children with special needs. Everybody should be listening to these stories and learning. We could, We all have things to learn from each other, whether we have a kid that is in this community or not, whether we can feel like we can relate, we can always learn. And it's a great way to learn more compassion and empathy. So thank you for those reviews and for sharing with a friend. And now, without further ado, here is my interview with Susan Hedstrom from FPWR. Thank you all for being here. Hi Susan, thank you so much for being here with me. Um, I am speaking with Susan Hedstrom, and she works with FPWR, the Foundation for prader Research, and so we're going to be talking about that today. But Susan, if you want to start and just um, introduce yourself to the uh, listeners and tell us a bit about your family and how you got uh, involved in the prader community.
1: Sure, Anne, I'd love to share that with you. Um, My son Jaden is now 12 years old and he has Prader-Willi syndrome. He was diagnosed right at birth. We knew within the first week of his life that he had this syndrome. And like I think every family experiences when they receive the diagnosis, it was heartbreaking and earth shattering. Um, There was a lot of dark months ahead, you know, after that first diagnosis. But um, I have an amazing mother-in-law and she, flew me and my husband and our nine month old son at this point, son, um, across the United States to Washington DC for a conference. And um, I had no idea what I was walking into. I didn't know what to expect. There's maybe 50 people there, it was pretty small. But what I found was there was this group who like myself wanted to change future for our loved ones with pws and it wasn't just parents it was also researchers and doctors and um i really found my tribe in that in that weekend um and one of my good friends she gave me something to do and i didn't realize i needed something to do because you know i had a nine-month-old baby i was pretty busy (laughs) yeah but um she said i have something for you to do i'm gonna call you and sure enough, a month later, she calls me and um, she convinced me to host a one small step walk. And um, I think most people in the prader community have heard of one small step walks now, but they, they were non-existent. This was the very first time that we did it. It was myself and 10 other um, families. And we each hosted city, you know, our walks in different cities across the US and Canada. And um, it was the beginning of a million dollar movement essentially. So the, you know these little tiny events around the world collo- you know together collaboratively were able to make a huge difference in research and it really helped launch the foundation for product research forward in our efforts. You know we had more money to then invest. Jaden's now 12, and you know he, experiences all the challenges of PWS. The, our urgency has not diminished whatsoever, um, but I'm really excited about the time that we're in because when he was born, there were no treatments. There was nothing on the horizon. Like we didn't even have clinical trials. Then in 2014, we had the first clinical study. Um, the drug was very effective, but it was also found to be um, dangerous. So that drug went away and now we have, you know, close to a dozen trials that are either completed and now looking to go to the FDA um, in phase one or phase two trials or in the pipeline coming up. So we've got a lot to be optimistic about. Not every drug is going to make it all the way and not every drug is gonna be a blockbuster, Mm -hmm. but if we can help any of our kids, whether it's a, you know, small population of them or all of them that we've made the life, their lives a little bit better.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. So that's interesting. You know, one of the things that I've always wondered about was the growth hormone. So Freya is nine and it was a hard push to get her, to get the growth hormone for her. Um, but so that happened before FPWR that, that people start using growth hormone, right?
1: You know, I'd have to go back to the actual year. Um, but yeah, FPW was not involved in getting growth hormone approved for okay. syndrome. Um, I think growth hormone has now been um, available for about 20 years, um, so quite a while. Okay. I know that some of us still struggle to get it, which drives me insane. It should be standard of care that everyone has access to. But it, it continues to be a challenge.
0: Yeah. So so found the foundation for Prader-Willi research, can you kind of break that down for people, to explain exactly what the organization does?
1: Absolutely. So um, the, the foundation was actually founded by three moms who all had kids with Prader-Willi syndrome, which is what I think makes us such a unique and amazing organization. So one of our co-founders, Teresa Strong, she's our director of um, research programs still um, to this day. And she is a priceless gem for our community because not only does she have a loved one who's, I always get this wrong, I think he's 23 or 24 now, um, but he has PWS, but she's a geneticist. She worked with Francis Collins, who leads the NIH. Um, she worked in a lab looking at um, cancer research, you know, genetic therapies. So she came to us with all of this amazing knowledge and expertise beyond just PWS. And she's really been able to apply all of that to um, to our foundation and a couple, I can't remember how many years it's been now, maybe five years, we actually finally got to the size or we could bring her on board full-time and pay her. Cause she was a volunteer for 10, 15 years doing oh, this wow. side gig. So um, as a foundation, <clears throat> we really focus on de-risking drug development, filling gaps and being that entity that um, makes things happen that perhaps other, or other groups would not do. So for example, um, we help with discovery research. So we help build the um, resources that can be used by um, researchers and drug companies to test their drugs on. If we didn't do that, no one else would be building these resources. We built the Global Prader Real Syndrome Registry. That was a unique opportunity for us as a patient organization to do. um, And we can thank Teresa for having the foresight to do this. I mean, we all know that there's value in a registry, but I don't think that as laymen, we really understand the value now that we've had it for five years. It's amazing to see. We were able to run a COVID survey through that registry within a month And we were able to get data that is now being used in our uh, response letter to the FDA requesting that they please use regulatory flexibility. And it's all because we had that established registry that we were able to do that and do it quickly. Um, You know, the drug companies have been able to confirm some of their trial data with registry data as well. Of course, it's all, um, you know, we keep all of the data private. You can't it's aggregated, so no individual information is being shared, um, but the drug companies themselves have published information based off of data coming from the registry. So again, you know, having a patient advocacy group to help be that center place is really important, um, and that data belongs to the PWS community. It does not belong to a private company. It does not belong to 23andMe. It's never going to go away because we own it. Um, very, very important in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And of course, I think everyone knows, You know, we fund a million or $2 worth of research every year and it, and it spans the um, entire development pathway from discovery to clinical trials. We funded a really exciting project a couple of years ago looking at vagus nerve stimulation. So Dr. Holland in the UK, he um, took a vagus nerve. This is the ex- he he's done two studies. One was internal, but the last one was an external device. It's kind of wraps around your ear and you wear it for several hours a day. And what he found is if after, you know, nine months or so of wearing this device, four out of the five individuals behaviors had dramatically decreased. So wow. Like, you know, challenging behaviors is a huge issue with Pw, people with Peterbus, especially as they get older and it becomes less socially acceptable, and they become grown human beings. Like mm-hmm. these, can be really hard. Um, so this device decreased those negative behaviors. So, and all of, it is is something that's that's it, on. Yeah, I think of like um, an external hearing aid or. Um, I don't know what other type of devices to describe it to but it just wraps around your ear and it attaches like to the little lobe and it does a vibration and it stimulates the vagus nerve. So, wow. I mean, when we're talking about interventions, right? Like this is not a medicine, it doesn't require surgery. You just stick it on. Now you have to, hopefully the person with PWS is accepting of this device, right? right? <laughs> it has to be some <laughs> compliance, but it, it seems to be very effective. So we have a long road to go here, but what we're working on right now is developing a clinical study here in the US so that we can get an approval for a device. And then people, um, the parents can get the insurance to cover the cost of the device. Mm-hmm. Uh, so ex- you know, exciting stuff coming down, down the road. So what that's
0: waiting on is to get, a, you said a clinical trial in the US? Is that the next yeah, step?
1: You need to get a device <laughs> approval from the FDA. In order to get an approval, you have to run a clinical t- trial. Um, okay. However, we also need a, a sponsor, a device sponsor because as a patient organization, we can't go to the FDA and say, hey, this device over there that's owned by you know company X, it works for PWS and we want, it, we want an approval for it. Company X has to actually go and get their approval because they own the device. We don't own the device. So there, there's a lot of moving parts and people that have to be brought together. but um, you know our hopes is as a community we can actually fund the study because we think it's really, really important to do.
0: Yeah, you know, I imagine that it's hard sometimes, especially with um, you, you know like t- medicine or pharmaceuticals, it's probably harder to find people willing to participate in the clinical trials is that true or
1: so we've been very fortunate that most of the clinical studies have been filled at, as needed covid did throw quite a curveball for all of us including the, the drug studies so they had to you know i think i think at least one study they they stopped enrollment and so they did not fill that one we're a rare disorder you know and not all of us live super close to um, a trial site so yeah, you having clinical trials and getting patients in, enrolled and keeping them enrolled is always going to be a challenge for us. It just come. it's just a numbers game. We, there's not a lot of people with PWS out there. Um, okay. But again, you know, I think the need is so great that most, a lot of our parents will move mountains, mm-hmm. <laughs> to anticipate to have a chance of, of having a treatment early.
0: Yeah. So are there... Um, can you tell us about any of the other possible trials coming up or anything that you're excited about um, as far as trials or treatments I'm, go?
1: I'm actually, I'm just I'm so amazed when I'm watching just the progression. You know, we talk to companies a lot. There's a lot of conversations that take place. But just in the last couple of months, we've shared a number of press releases of companies that have gotten orphan drug indications who have started phase one studies. You know, Phase one studies are often with, um, they say healthy individuals, which I hate that term, frankly, my consent is healthy, but they mean neurotypical um, healthy mm. individuals. So we have a phase one study coming up um, for that, again, they're hoping it will be um, effective for Prader-Willi syndrome, but they try it in healthy individuals first just to make sure it's safe. Um, Harmony Pharmacy, uh, Harm- 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 Biosciences, they have a phase two study for patolescent, which I think is going to be really interesting because this is not a hyperphagia drug. This is a drug that will potentially help with daytime sleepiness. So I know my son has an abnormal sleep profile. I mean, he's 12 and he still goes to bed at eight and he will take a nap first thing in the morning. Like mm-hmm. he's a tired kid. Um, Pitocin is going to, well, they're gonna see how effective it is in waking them up during the day. So they might, you know, if, when, you're, when you're more awake you can be better at school, mm-hmm. you're more social. Um, so some of the deficits that our loved ones have maybe we'll see benefits there. So I think that's an exciting um, an exciting trial. For any listener who's, who's thinking about it, you do have to do a sleep study. Um, so they're looking to make sure that you do have daytime sleepiness in order to participate. Um, and I think they're looking at kiddos as young as six and all the way up to age 65.
0: Okay. Okay. Well, so that's a good question. How do people get involved? How can they learn about what studies are going on and how they can Participate.
1: So it was really important to our foundation that families have an easy resource because sometimes it can be very intimidating reading through uh, materials that were not necessarily made for parents to read, right? So we have a directory on fpwr.org. If you just go to our homepage in the main menu, it says clinical trials. If you click right there, we have a list of all the trials that are currently enrolling, the trials that have completed, and even some of the trials that are gonna be opening soon. So you can click on any one of those trials to get more information. It'll talk about what the drug is um, being tested for. It'll list out any eligibility criteria. And if we know the sites that are open, we'll list that as well. And of course we put contact information. So you can reach out directly to a representative of that study. Okay,
0: great. And so then also just to make sure, cause I know that there, I've been seeing a lot of new parents uh, coming through. So um, I wanna, touch on the registry and also one small step, just in case people are um, trying to figure out what that is. So the global registry mm-hmm. is, do you want to talk about that for a second?
1: Absolutely. So the registry is a place for parents to, um, we have about three surveys in there that go through all different aspects. So endocrinology issues, the birth um, birth information, diagnostic information, sleep, And uh, we ask that all family members they enroll their their loved one and then come back about once a year to update their surveys. If you start when your loved one is young, it doesn't take long to get through all the surveys because most you know there's very there's only a small amount of things that are applicable to you. And then when you go in about once a year, it takes me these days about 30 minutes to go through all of the surveys. Um, so I think it can be intimidating when you first look at it, but as you get, you know, go in there and start filling it out, it doesn't take long at all. And then what I really like about it is once you've completed a survey, you can see all of the aggregated data of everyone who's completed that survey. So let's say my loved one, um, I just filled out the milestone survey and I want to know, well, gee, you know, how, what's the age of when people start walking, you know, you can go in you can see that data. You'll say, oh, you know, 20% of folks started walking at age 12 months and 50% were walking at 18 months. So it's really a great resource. I know when, do you remember that book, What to Expect When You're Expecting? And then it was like, what to expect your first year? Uh Well, none of that applied to my son. I remember (laughs) looking at that book and I'd be teary-eyed because, oh, this is what he's supposed to be doing this month. And then I would just go back like three months and I'd be like, oh, okay, we're here. We're not, we're not there. Well, when you have the registry, because you've enrolled in it, and now you've completed the surveys, you can actually, it's like your what to expect book, <laughs> especially when it comes to milestones, because you can see kind of where everyone's at in there. Um, or maybe you have, your loved one has strabismus, you are like, is this common? I, I don't know, like who? How many people have strabismus? You can go to the registry and see the survey and, oh, wow, strabismus is actually really prevalent in prada really syndrome. Mm-hmm. So that's the reason why all of the young families or any family really should get enrolled. Plus it's the most important thing that you can do to advocate for your loved one. We've been talking about advocacy a lot lately in light of the FDA approvals that are currently ongoing and our work with the FDA. The number one thing that all of our families can do to help advocate for their loved one is to get into the registry because then your data becomes part of the data that we share with the FDA. Your story gets told to the FDA. Um, and frankly, if we didn't have the registry and we didn't have this you know, 2,000 parents in there right now, we wouldn't have the data that we've been able to share. So, you know, a big shout out to everyone who has participated to date because um, the the book that we're giving to the FDA now is quite extensive and it's all thanks to the parents who participated.
0: Mm-hmm. I love that. Thank you for going over that. I'm now, I mean, I, I it's been a while since I've been there. <laughs> so now I'm like, okay, I'm gonna go back. <laughs> because I didn't realize how I didn't, I guess I didn't realize it was being used for. And I love that. It's a great way to advocate for our kids. I think that's fabulous. So I'll be sure to um, put a link to that. And then the, the one small step walks those um, can we talk about those?
1: Absolutely. So one small step is one of our fundraising campaigns. It runs all year long. It's 100% host-led. So parents like myself or you or, you know, anyone listening, anyone can host a walk. It doesn't have to be a huge ordeal. It could be as simple as a picnic in a park. Um, A couple years ago, I decided I was going to do a decade birthday for Jaden, and we did a one-mile fun run. Literally, everyone showed up. We walked around a one-mile loop. I gave everyone a little medal. We sang happy birthday, and we raised $10,000. It doesn't have to be oh wow. And, yeah. <laughs> and then we were really lucky We were fortunate to have a lot of very supportive um, friends and family members and you know we had a, we had other families in the area. Proud really families come out and attend as well. So you know you can do it on your own or you can invite other families to be part of it. Um, it can be simple. it can be ext- ext- extensive. Some people have had um, like petting zoos and <laughs> I mean you name it, it can be done really. The whole concept is uh, providing an opportunity to make the ask. So Mm -hmm. 100% of people who are not asked to make a donation won't make one.
0: right? Right. They don't donate.
1: If you ask, you'd be amazed. Even in COVID, so many people were saying, I don't know, I'm just, I'm worried about asking. You know, I know it's a tough time right now. And as soon as people gave them the opportunity people were donating like crazy. Like people Mm -hmm. still wanted to give, but they needed to be asked. (laughs) I love it when people find ways to make fundraising fun, right? Like we want Mm -hmm. these activities to be fulfilling, empowering, and and we want you to enjoy it. It shouldn't be painful. Um, And again, everything really does add up. You know, the, the, the one mile mark with one small step, that wasn't any one individual. That was a whole community coming together and making it happen. Um, we never could have done that without the involvement of people across the northern north america right um so we're so thankful anytime anyone does something because you know frankly my kid has Prada really too and i know that we all want to get to that same end end zone right we just want treatments we want their lives to be better we want them to have the same opportunities as our other kids
0: mhm yeah so how can so people can visit the website and I'm sure they can find information there about hosting a one small step or how to how to
1: I mean so if you go to our if you go to our website fpWR.org um, there is a link for taking action and there's lots of different opportunities I mean walks are just one way a person can get involved If a walk isn't your thing we, uh, you know we have a platform that supports any sort of do-it-yourself fundraising. So if you've got an idea we can support it. And if you want to talk about your idea with someone, we've got Jackie Mizan on our team. She's an amazing fundraiser and she would love to help anyone. I mean, believe me, no one's ever bothering us. If you want to talk about raising money, (laughs) you've got our ears. We are here to help you because we want to do that too. You know, we want to be able to fund more research.
0: Yeah. Okay. Well, I will make sure that I put all of these links in the show notes. And um, yeah, I really appreciate you uh, talking with me today. Is there anything that you feel like we miss that you wanna make sure people know about for, um, cause this will be coming out in May for Prader Willie Awareness Month.
1: So. I was just gonna say May is PWS Awareness Month. I think again, um, you know, given where we are with potential drug approvals, May Awareness Month means even more this year and just sharing the word, sharing the need you know, we need treatments. We have no treatments for our loved ones right now. Um, you know, we're hoping that we're getting closer to that, right, lots of, lots of things to be optimistic about, but there, there's still that need It persists. More will be to come. We just um, published a 140 plus page document, which, which is our community response to the FDA. So, you know, go check it out. It's really good. And um, it really outlines a lot of the work that we've done, again, which was all based, well, the majority of which was based from data from the registry or surveys that people participated in. So it's, it's truly the community voice, it's really cool.